0: Everyone, and welcome to the new We Talk All Things Stars, Marvel and DC. This episode number 189, we're discussing our Joker review. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. And I live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, guys. This is going to be a very interesting review this week. We're going to be reviewing DC's latest foray into the dark end of filmmaking, into more of an art house picture of filmmaking with Joker. And because we're talking Joker, because we're talking DC, there's only one person we could bring to this review that would add the perspective that's just going to elevate this podcast to the next level. And that is the goddamn Batman. Our dude Carlos. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for
1: having me.
2: (laughs) How come he gets that great introduction and I had to like come up with my own? Like it'd be nice once in a while to feel wanted. (laughs) I've been introducing you for at least 189 episodes. (laughs) And not once have you ever had that kind of introduction. You are not the goddamn Batman. It's true. It's true. Sitting here in this room, I feel very inadequate in my Batman collection.
0: I got Batman envy. You should, because as we're reviewing The Joker, Carlos graciously invited us over to the Bat Cave. Now, you guys have heard us chronicle our visits to the Bat Cave, and there's no better place to review a movie like this than surrounded by the Bat himself. This is going to bring an extra element to the podcast because you know what? I'm going to have to bring people in because everyone's going to be wandering around. Sanjay's already off in the corner. Oh, yeah. What did you say? <laughs> what did you say, Carlos? <laughs> now, this is going to be a very intense review, guys. This is going to be something that we're not usually used to. You know, we're talking Marvel reviews recently, even some of the DC stuff where we have kind of this more traditional breakdown of the film, this first, second, and third act, you know, getting that that main big action set piece in the middle fold by the you know the climax at the end the teases the continuity and all that there's none of that in this film this film is something different something special and so as we're reviewing this guys we have to really think about what this is because this is an interpretive film more so than anything you take any DC or Marvel film that's out there right now and they basically lay it in front of you and tell you as it is this film Todd Phillips the direction they went it leaves a lot to think about and I cannot wait to get into this because this is where I think a lot of this film is going to come to fruition for me personally is hearing you guys tell your perspective what you took away from the film even chatting here before everyone has a different interpretation as to what was happening in certain parts of the film, which to me in itself screams success for what they put to screen here. But we gotta get into a few little bit of discussion, but just a few little pieces of house cleaning before. Now We did have quite an epic Triple Force Friday, Troy. (laughs) It was a time. And we're going to get into that a little later on in the episode. You're going to hear us send off from the Joker review, from the four of us, to a future Tim and Troy. We're going to chronicle really our hunt for two, three days over the weekend, trying to find that Mando, trying to find everything we can. We have had Carlos out here dipping into Walmart's at 7 a.m. <laughs> it was quite an intense time, but we're going to get into all that later on. But right now, we're going to focus purely for the rest of the episode on Joker. You know, we've heard a lot about this film, guys. There's been a lot of conjecture around what this is, what it's promoting, what it's trying to justify. And we're going to dig deep into All of that. But first, right off the top here, we have to give our spoiler-free review of Joker. So for those that have not seen the film, we're going to get about five to eight minutes here of us talking about it. And then we're going to switch gears over to the spoiler review. So... Off the top here, guys, just your initial thoughts. Walking out of the theater, how did it make you feel? Again, spoiler free, guys. But how did it make you feel, Sanjay, when you first stepped out? Of- You're the first one of us to see it. That's right. Yeah. Coming off this, you would kind of really wouldn't talk about it in the DM or nothing.
2: No, I just wanted to, you know, keep it fresh for this discussion.
0: <laughs> so, how do you how are you feeling right now? Like, f- give us a little bit of insight into Sanjay's mindset walking <laughs> out of this film. Um. Okay. So. Walking out of this film, I was just
2: kind of, to be honest with you, blown away. Um, it's just a movie that, while it is a comic book movie based on a comic book character, it's like a comic book movie in name only. And I'm not like Martin Scorsese, and I'm not gonna like shit on like all the Marvel <laughs> films or the other DC films because I love I love those films as well. Um, but I just I'm so glad that a film like this, which is so different, was able to be made with no strings attached. They could make the film that they wanted. And it's it's weird. It's out there. It's it's dark. It's gritty, and it works. And you know, it's just so cool that like you know we get this like we get the best of both worlds. Like you know, going forward, if this is like a blueprint for success and it like creates this whole like spin off uh, black label, then you know this movie will be like like the launching point for it. And I I think um, going forward, you know, we're gonna look back at this film and be like, yeah, like this was much as we look back to Iron Man one and it launched like the whole MCU. I think we're going to look back at Joker and be like, yeah, like everyone like this launched like the DC black label. But don't go in like expecting like like your typical, I don't want to say typical, but like don't go in like expecting like like a lighthearted like like fun movie. It is it is anything but that. Um, you know, the action and stuff is there, but it's more subdued, it's more subtle. And and same with some of the uh, nuances of the character and stuff. It, it's like it's more like a, a character study, I would say.
0: Then, like, uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, action film. It's a humanity study, even beyond yeah. beyond that. Yeah. So, Troy, walk into the theater, yeah, man, man. We, we saw this together with Carlos, uh, one o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. <laughs> you know, we walked out, still broad daylight. There's only a few of us in the theater. We have got hooked up with amazing seats. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, when you walked out, man, I know we had a bit of a discussion, but yeah. you had some time to marinate on this oh. whole thing.
3: Oh, it's been marinating nonstop, man. <laughs> Kitchen still is on low, but, you know, my the intensity is high. Um, no, the film was cool. It was, a, it was a major gut punch. You know, when I left the theater, I was just like, what did I just witness? You know, how am I going to carry on for the next while until I see it again, you know, with my wife? I definitely want to check it out. But first reaction leaving, I'm like, this is a one and done. I can't yeah. see this film ever again. Nothing, you know, against the film. It's just whew, such a punch. But, um, yeah, I got to agree with Sunny over here. You know, it's so refreshing to get this kind of take on this character and this mm-hmm. genre for a superhero film. And it's not even a superhero film. It just happens to feature a supervillain, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to see that we've had, you know, shows like The Boys and, you know, even a take like Thanos and Infinity War and Logan. And now we got, you know, even the political thriller of uh, – Winter Soldier, and now here we are with something like this, Joker, and I'm all in. Um, Black Label, you mentioned, I'd yeah. totally love to see them go this route, especially, not spoiling anything, but just, you know, you know, you can interpret what you want with this mm-hmm. film, basically going forward for the mythos of the character and other characters in the DC Universe. Um, big thanks to WB and Walter Hamada and um, Todd Phillips, obviously, yeah. and Walking Phoenix's performance for giving us something like this in this time, it's because, you know, for my opinion, it's crazy how DC's gone from some, something like Justice League or Suicide Squad to something like this. This <laughs> yeah. is crazy. This brings all the confidence in the world for me going forward with DC as a fan of their films. If they can do something like this, keep it going. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Absolutely love this film.
0: Yeah. Now, the goddamn Batman. <laughs> Carlos, this is. This he is hated a kid it because <laughs> it's about Joker, right? He's like, yeah, not enough Batman This Need was him. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now. Like I said, we saw this together. You have kind of one of the more unique takes or more perspectives into this because, you know, you're pretty close to Batman, to Joker, to his archenemy, you know, the yin and yang of all of this. When you walked out of the theater, how did you feel specifically about that character and how they portrayed it and how this whole movie came across to you?
1: Yeah, you know what? And I'll be honest. Like, I echo a lot of what the boy said, but I look back and I remember hearing about this announcement for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember vividly being in the, in the gym at work and thinking like man what are they doing this is a (laughs) terrible idea yeah yeah um i was full of skepticism and i i just i i thought this is going to lead to a ton of brand confusion why are they doing this no matter how good they do it and like i didn't have a problem with them exploring a joker origin because quite frankly it's been done in film before but uh yeah i i as the film started coming closer and we saw those first trailers I started to get more and more excited and then you hear the accolades that it was getting at, like Venice and whatnot and then coming out of that theater um, not knowing quite what to expect and kind of being on the bearish side of things I was absolutely blown away Mm -hmm. like that they were able to get you into the head of a Joker which quite frankly by the end of the film you could insert that into any version of the Joker whatever your preference is yeah And you could take or leave that as his origin. And um, my biggest thing with all these comic book movies, I have no problem what you do with changes to the costumes or um, changes to the origins or changes to who they team up with and who they don't team up with or blah, blah, blah. But you have to nail the fundamental core of the character. Mm -hmm. And this did it in spades. This was every single maniacal, sinister, truly evil Joker um, that I've ever read Mm -hmm. since... Like the 80s kind of thing. And yeah, it didn't have a ton of Caesar Romero to it, but say <laughs> <laughs> la vie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. You know, this to me, it's comic
0: book in name only. I like how you said that, Sanjay. Yeah. It takes that character and it puts a completely different spin. But like you're saying, Carlos, it holds so true to the roots and to the essence of the character, even from what I know. And one thing that I have to say about this, it was absolutely captivating. You could not look away from that screen for whatever the runtime was, hour 45, two hours long. I don't... You're thinking in your head, right? Like, what is going on? There's so many twists and turns in this thing. For something that lays out pretty pretty clearly what they're going to do with this character from the first trailer... There's a lot of twists and turns in this that I was just, there's several times I was, whoa, like right out loud in the theater. Because I was just absolutely shocked. And this isn't a violence thing. Mm -hmm. Like I heard a lot online about how violent this film is. To me, it's not a violent film. It's not, it's gratuitous violence isn't something that is present here. You look at Deadpool, gratuitous violence. You don't find any of that in this film. It takes the violence and it uses it very specifically in very specific moments.
3: Yeah, it's personal. Exactly.
0: I was expecting like blood, guts, everything all over the place, especially, but it's, guys, it's not there. And we're going to detail some of this later on. But if you're walking into this and not seeing it or questioning whether or not you should see it, I wouldn't take a seven year old or a kid to it <laughs> no. no way. Who would do that? Yeah. <laughs> <would> do that? <laughs> yeah, someone had a seven year old in my
2: screening and I was just like, What are you doing, buddy? Like, did you not see any of the trailers? Like, did you just watch Caesar Romero's Joker and yeah. be like, Oh, this is gonna be fun. He's gonna rob a bank and then some exploding penguins and he'll jump over the bridge? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's
0: well not that's the thing. Like it's rated R for a reason. Right, but I almost find that the rated R is because not specifically the violence or swear or anything like that, but it's very heavy like topics that Mm -hmm. I don't think a child or even someone in their early teens can comprehend what's going on. That to me is where the R comes from. Like even some of the violence, it's it's just to me it's no different other than some blood splatter than what we see in and kind of any you know normal PG thirteen film, like X Men film, right? So, yeah, but it, it's something that I think everyone needs to go out and watch. Yeah. You know, I think you can hear us from around the table. This is already a recommend from us, from all mm-hmm. four Highly. of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but it, it's it's heavy topics. And we're going to jump into that here in a minute and kind of break down as to, you know, if they're successful in actually portraying and giving that, you know, wholeheartedly that, that full message that I think there's even a deeper rooted message in this that I never heard at once online. Yeah. So it's all the sensationalization of stuff, but I personally don't think it's there.
2: No, no. Um, but Before we go on to the review and before we lose all our people who haven't seen Joker, um, you know, I mentioned like the DC Black Label. Um, obviously Joker um, did, it, did it successfully. And um, going forward, if this Black Label were to continue, what are some other characters from DC that you would like to see? Could be hero, could be villain, but the caveat is it has to be like more like lower budget, like more like 60 million and below. It's kind of like... What they're going for um like obviously luther is the obvious next choice right like it that if they do continue with this that would have to be the next one um but like any others that you would be like in your head that you're like oh like they need to do like a origin film and i guess like they are doing a black adam origin film but like i mean like not connected to the dc extended universe
0: i don't know i I don't i don't see this black label as something that needs to happen you know i like what they did here but Do I want a film like this every year from DC or every other year? No. Like, this is an intense film. And I think any sort of replication on this, and specifically the the main – one of the main driving, like, I guess underlying messages here that they use, I don't know how you replicate that. I don't know how you do something like this specifically again. Like, origin film of villains, yeah, I'm down. I dig. Mm -hmm. But like this – I don't know how you replicate this. And that's why I would put a little question as to what the black label is exactly going to be. Is it just rated R content? And so it takes different forms, but I don't want this film copycatted and blueprinted out for Lex Luthor for this and all that. Right. I don't think that works that it works here, but any more than that, like I just don't see it really working. Oh yeah. Like it's definitely got to be specific to the character,
2: right? Like the Joker is a very unique story and it's told in like, a very unique way and you can't iterate, right, you can't apply that to luther but if you had like an r-rated you know 60 million dollar luther film and it's like about power control with his father and going through like some of like that um and you know like maybe like his like complex against superman him being just a mere mortal and this god like controlling everything i think like a film like that could really work if you got like a luther like brian cranston like everyone wanted or like denzel washington like, some, like, really, like, intense, like, good actor, like, like, Joaquin Phoenix, like, a chance, like, this black label will give, like, actors that don't really act in comic book movies a chance to do, like, a one and done, you know, so you're, like, okay, like, someone who doesn't really do, like, comic book movies or, you know, big, like, blockbusters, but, like, they're terrific actors, they're like, yeah, I'll do, like, a one-shot Luther film, why not, like, I'll give it a go, or, like, I'll do, like, a one-shot, like, like
0: Catwoman, but, like, good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Carlos? Do you think they could take this black label somewhere?
1: Uh, to be honest, like I kind of fall on your side of the fence with if you have a special project and if the idea comes first and mm-hmm. if that's what you need to be able to tell your story Mm -hmm. sure by all means which is how the joker developed joker was todd phillips deciding he wanted to tell a specific story a specific way and even with a specific actor Mm -hmm. and so that's how this came to fruition whereas i think if you establish like a black label and have a mandate of putting out a film it will very quickly become uh let's do a killer croc film and we'll just have them tearing people apart because it it can be rated r kind of thing um, there's lots of interesting things you could do, I, and even within that sixty million dollars space, like mm-hmm. I think you could do something really cool with like Lois Lane out oh, doing like an investigative reporting type of thing, and yeah. you know just have it where Superman is off the board, he's mm-hmm. in space or he's doing whatever, and it's just focused on her. I love that. Um, In like some war torn country or something mm-hmm. of that nature, or investigating organized crime or something like that, or I would love to see. And they're kind of doing it on Titans, I guess. But Dick Grayson in that transition period between mm-hmm. Robin mm-hmm. and Nightwing. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that that journey could be cool. <laughs> Sorry, we man. Just, just I, I don't sure know if I just interest. stole your thunder. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know
3: what's funny? No. <laughs> you know it's funny? I got, I got to side with Sonny 100% yeah. here. I, I think this idea is awesome. I think, you know, in Very the world... Nice. Yeah, I got you. For once, I got you, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I got to say, in a world of MCU, and I love those films, but it's all universe building, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get it, and I love it. But on the other side this is DC's chance to capitalize now they have such great villains over there mm-hmm. not really necessarily just villains like if you go back and do like a, a Ra's Ghoul, you can mm-hmm. go and yeah. do um, I love Dick Grayson obviously but I'd actually go um, Red Hood I think oh, that story ooh, yeah. of him transitioning having flashback, flashbacks of being mm-hmm. like this child-led soldier almost in a sense of Robin yeah. and now he's digging deep into being the Red Hood yeah. and coming back that's a lot of mythos that the general audience hasn't really experienced yet to mm-hmm. see that a dark Robin it could actually kind of make Robin character a little more cooler in a lot of people's eyes right. um, I think there's a lot of cool things you can do um, you can still work on this E U if you want to but I think this is like DC's ultimate weapon right now and it doesn't necessarily have to get played out I mean the Joker film I wouldn't worry about because that's very geared towards Joker so I yeah. wouldn't expect that out of a Ra's or even a Lex Luthor Mm-hmm. The Lois Lane approach, I think, is awesome. I, I think there's one. so many different things you could do with the with the you know the heroes and the villains yeah. um, in the world of DC. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, especially because yeah. I was the guy that was like crapping all over the idea of like another Joker film with yeah. the likes of the suicide pirate talking chit chat <laughs> Joker you know <laughs> <He's> <laughs> a <true> Joker yeah <laughs> so um yeah all the way but yeah. the thing is take your time with it prepare yeah. it properly that's yeah. what Todd Phillips did there's a lot of heart and soul obviously mm-hmm. in this film and love and you know we do get those cool little easter eggs a little bit of uh, some of the Batman mythos in there so
2: alright so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pitch my idea Martin Scorsese he does a crime drama with like Jim Gordon and it's Brad Pitt playing Jim Gordon. And it's like a murder mystery. And it's like it's like the mob is attached to it. You know, like Martin's got like, all the mob connection. Yeah. You know, this is his chance. You know, he said, like, he, you know, he's, he doesn't follow, like, the big, like, comic book movies. But, like, this could be a chance. Like, he
0: produced Joker.
3: Right. Yeah, because you, you get that flavor of Taxi Cab a little bit, too. Uh, right? Oh, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Scorsese
0: um, can take a backseat at comic book movies. Oh, yeah. I know. Actually, that was, <laughs> oh, but our boy, uh, Hickman. Yes. You know, I had some words
3: for him, which is, oh, yeah. you know, oh, which, really? was, which was awesome. But, um, so James gun, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. He's so good for those guys, yeah. You know, um, yo, any gangster flick with Scorsese would, right? would be cool, and then- or
2: even get like Al Pacino to come back and play like an aging Jim Gordon, he's like dealing with this city he's got to have, like, one last, like, case before and the he, bat's done? Like the Batman's bat's done out. or, like, the bat's away and, like... I like that it, aspect. Because
3: right? he's there before the bat, after the bat, yeah. and now there's... Like, yeah, I kind of it's feel kinda that. It's kind of like
2: Dark Knight Returns, but it's Jim Gordon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that who's that guy or the girl from Dark Knight Returns? The, like, detective? She's kind of, like, up and coming that, like, takes over for him? Oh, like, you Lentil? know? Lentil? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, kind of have, like, her involved as well. Like, I think... Man, just talking to you, like boom, we've we've got it down. So you, go. you guys get Pacino's number. I'll give him a call. He's not doing much these
1: days. So no, that or or you could even do it in Chicago and have like one Jim Gordon story that is what led him to oh. leaving Chicago and coming to yeah. Gotham. Right. So great
0: pen to paper, Sanjay. Man, send that into uh, to WB. Uh, send <laughs> I, a little pitch. <laughs> yeah, I got
2: I got their number in speed dial. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Now, okay, let's let's jump back over to the Joker here. This film has received a ton of accolades. As Carlos mentioned, Running Out of Venice it took the gold line for the top film debuting at the Venice Film Festival. 8-minute standing ovation apparently went down there. And it saw the momentum really from there build into this really incredible debut at the box office with $93.5 million as we record here on Sunday, likely to maybe top out the debut of Justice League domestically, which, in my opinion, this thing very much overperformed. This is a rated R film. It, it topped Venom to become the highest grossing October film of all time, October debut, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, as a rated R film like this that had quite a bit of controversy swirling around it in the past couple of weeks and some real cautions as to if people should actually be going to see this film, it's done very, very well, both domestically and internationally, pulling in over $200 million globally, which is a huge feat for a film that costs $60 million to make and has had this much back and forth across both critics and the media questioning this film and i I think it's great to see that this almost tagged that 100 million dollar debut it's only really behind the two deadpool movies and it chapter one for debuts for a rated r film so fourth highest debuting domestic rated r film of all time very very impressive stuff there for the joker and this really goes to the idea of what can they do with this black label this movie's gonna make a ton of money But replicating this, I think personally, as we just chronicled, is going to be difficult. And we're going to get into why we think it's going to, or why I think it's going to be difficult. As we step now, guys, into the spoiler section. So if you have not seen Joker, take a pause here. Come visit Troy and I later on in the episode. I will put this as a tag in the notes so you know when you can pick back up with the Triple Force Friday stuff. And then come back later on. Hear the review, listen to it, and let us know what you think because mm-hmm. this thing is a very subjective, object. I don't know how you even want to put this because this film is all over the place. But we're going to get to it. It's really well constructed, but it's all over the place as to what it makes you actually think. So, spoiler alert, it's on the tag, we're done. Let's head into the proper review of Joker. I'm going to start with director Todd Phillips. Not the most obvious choice for a director for a film like this he comes from the hangover old mm-hmm. school he was the guy that was picking up the pieces really of <laughs> judd apatow in yeah. some forms yeah and he went over and did war dogs which is a pretty good film jonah hill and he stepped into this role you know saying the script draws from inspirations for scorsese taxi driver as you mentioned troy raging bull the kings of comedy so he's taking cues from other films but What did you think of Todd Phillips here, Carlos? Was he the right man to bring Joker to the screen? Not in the sense of, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal, but in how he pulled this together. He kind of amalgamated several different stories and really took risks here. I think that's what he did well, is he told the story, and WB gave him the reins to tell the story he wanted to tell.
1: Well, and that's the biggest thing, is that, like, this whole thing was his baby, so you could see the passion in it from the Mm -hmm. beginning. So the story goes with the genesis of the joker film was they were at a party and it was after marvel had hit some huge home run and he approached wb's brass and they're all in the can kind of like (laughs) sunny and uh he uh he said you guys need to do what they can't like disney is very Specific in what they offer and they're very upfront with what they will and what they won't do as a company as a film studio so do what they can't and he pitches the Joker and um, The rest is history so that this came from a place of passion for him mm-hmm. um, is the key to it all right, so um, Like we have said already This was a great movie first and was a comic book adaptation yep. a distance second kind of thing so that he came in he had a story to tell it's beautifully shot it's thoughtfully written Uh, i thought it was extremely well executed throughout like the pacing was great i never thought it dragged um at at worst i was kind of waiting for the purple suit moment but Mm -hmm. once i actually sat down and kind of looked they had it appear at the exact perfect time it couldn't have been a scene before or it couldn't have been a scene after like it was Mm -hmm. yeah i like i can't think of anybody that would do a better job and good on him for transcending his body of work which was great but it was definitely raunchy comedy 100 no, right. right. yeah, yeah so.
0: he had a, he had a niche for a while mm-hmm. and now he has a new one yeah. yeah and that's what i love about taking these directors and you saying why is todd phillips directing joker mm-hmm. this is why <laughs> yeah.
2: right right and you know i would say like i'm reminded of like robin williams because comedic genius one of the funniest guys to ever walk this earth and you know he near the end of his career um transitioned from family comedies into like dark roles he took like one hour photo where he plays like this guy who's obsessed with this family who works at a photo lab and if you're and if you're young enough to not know what a photo lab is it's like back in the day you you used to have to take your photos and get them developed at the grocery store so like the photo lab guy would know everything of your personal like details it was kind of like unlimited access to like your twitter or instagram and so like he like f- gets his following and then like also uh, inception or not inception uh, insomnia where he plays like the killer in there um so like i think comedy and tragedy you know he, very close and of course that's perfect for him to do joker because he does the comedy bits and now he's showing that he can do like the tragedy bits um and then as well um, you mentioned like some of the stuff that he took inspiration from um you know making this um movie the one thing that i actually thought i don't know if you guys picked up on this but i got a lot of like v for vendetta vibes yeah watching this movie like it would be like a pretty interesting double feature is if you were to watch v for vendetta or read the book and then um watch joker because i think there's a lot like v and joker maybe not that unsimilar characters because in their mind they both think they're doing the right thing but everyone else thinks they're like you know terrorists. mind you v is like toppling a fascist government so it's a little bit different but I definitely
0: like see a lot of similarities between the two hold that thought I want to talk about the idea of him thinking that he's doing the right thing in his head okay because I, I don't know if that's this character okay. it's not like the Thanos or the uh, you know uh, Killmonger or something like that where they're consciously doing something because they think it's better it's because this is the whole tragedy comedy thing right mm-hmm. he says it right in the film you know I looked at my life as a tragedy the whole time but it's actually a comedy mm-hmm. yeah and this is where the duality of this whole thing plays again this really Shakespearean look at the duality of comedy and tragedy and Mm -hmm. kind of you boil it down to the essence in his head. He thought, you know, my life's a tragedy because it's going to end terribly. And here it is. It ends, you know, it's from a perspective, right? It's about the ending. Yeah. And his perspective is that his life now as the Joker is here. So let's let's put a pin in that one. I want to bring that
3: one back. But Troy, Todd mm-hmm. Phillips. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I didn't know much about Todd Phillips. Um, I never saw War Dogs with Miles Teller and yeah. Jonah Hill. Oh, yeah. It looked pretty cool. Uh, you know, I'm funny. I never cared for The Hangover. I was, I was really? not a Hangover guy yeah. at, at all. One. The first one, you know, it's funny. I actually liked the second one more. Than the first one, so so I'm we agreed to... for
2: like 15 minutes and now we're back on like
3: all I know games. now we're butting heads yeah, yeah, again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I tried, man. I tried, we, we did really good. Um, and then what was the other? Oh, Frank the Tank, though. I love, oh, yeah. um, See, we're school. back in it together. Yeah, now. see, that is dope. That's a solid film. So, going into this, you know, it's basically kind of like the Russo effect, right? With these guys, mm-hmm. they're known for doing um community, and then here they go, right. they knock it out of the park, right? Yeah. With mm-hmm. the cap franchise. So, yeah, hats off to Todd Phillips, man. He killed it. Um, again, I was the guy that didn't care for this film and this guy turned it upside down for me so going forward man that's fantastic and like carlos mentioned you could tell there's passion behind this film a lot going forward so um yeah todd phillips all the way man yeah out of the park
0: yeah awesome stuff so let's jump into the to the film itself you know taking from you know the the direct cues and what todd phillips put into this we're set up in gotham in around the early 80s i think 1981 is roughly when it's set Mm -hmm. and i think to me the setting plays a big part of this film you know we got gotham here you rife with unemployment you've got this dirty gritty major social divide well, early new york basically yeah, right yeah, yeah. you yeah. can and like you know, smell it in this movie yeah. well, and that's like, like the, like the whole garbage strike thing yeah. with yeah. the
2: rats and all yeah. this
0: stuff right it's pretty crazy that you're looking at a city that's on the verge of collapse you've got this massive divide and realistically and this is where i think is quite interesting is that you have people that are fundamentally not being given what they need, and they're looking for someone to follow. And this is where a lot of this Joker thing kind of comes out of, and it comes down to the aesthetic of Gotham. Yeah, It is really well put together here, because to me in itself, you look at some settings in films, they need to become characters. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wakanda, these yep. type of things, right? Gotham, to me, has always been a character in the Batman films, and mm-hmm. a very important piece of it. Because this is where a lot of this is born out of is the fact that they're in this shithole of a place, Gotham. Mm -hmm. And you go back to Batman Begins. It's a very similar scene, right? Where this is where you see a lot of the organized crime rising from because they they want to essentially position themselves as the alternative to the government. Mm -hmm. And you take an antagonist in this film, if you really want to put it in that context, it's Thomas Wayne. He represents the elite, the 1%. And in Gotham, there's a lot more people that are sitting at that lower 99% than they are sitting up here. I love what they did with Gotham here, guys. I love what they did with the 80s setting. Because to me, you never pull out by, like, the, by the aesthetic of the film, right? It just feels that everything that Joker does is in step with what's going on in the background of the whole thing, and it comes down to
3: Gotham. Well, do we, do we think Thomas was the antagonist, though? I mean, he's I, running I, for mirror. I'm, I'm, I'm proposing that, that like, that's, at least in Joker's eyes. Yeah, can you are. have
0: an antagonist in this type of film? Like, is this a protagonist antagonist type of thing? Like, I don't know. I'm just proposing that idea that, in his mind, maybe Thomas Wayne. I'm saying maybe not as a as a person, but the idea, oh, the killer. elite, and maybe yeah. he is the audience's way into the elite. Is just. He's always kind of this pompous guy he's got everything he's rich he's running for Mary so he's gonna fix everything you know what I mean
1: yeah no I, I agree with um, the point of view that Thomas was the antagonist in the movie because he represented that social class that kept yeah. th- the society that bore the Joker out um, he was that guy that he had a few opportunities where if he had taken a moment to be like hey buddy you're in a bad way let me use my resources and influence and everything else to help you out. Mm -hmm. Um, Why not? Like there was the through line of uh, Arthur's mother wanting to connect with Thomas Wayne as a means to get their family out of the dire straits that they were. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what their history was, like the most altruistic thing to happen. And the thing quite frankly that you'd see Bruce Wayne do would be to take this guy and regardless of the sins of his mother or whatever, um, she had done to the family in the past, You probably should have helped out mm-hmm. Arthur when he showed up, regardless of... Not punching um, the nose. <laughs> yeah, if the reveal <laughs> came to bear or not. So, yeah, yeah I, I I think that that would be the role that he'd fulfill in yeah. this film, would be antagonist.
2: Well, I think uh, the how you feel about Thomas Wayne really pivots on if you think... Well, maybe not really pivots, but I think it influences if you think... Um, you know Arthur was his son, or was not his son, and that the whole thing was made up and just in his mother's head, because um, you know you could kind of see like if he was just this guy, you know he's running this business and then these people are like trying to scam him out of money, saying like, oh no, I'm your son, and they're like, and he's like, what are you talking about, lady? Like no, this is not a thing. Like don't be going around saying that like we had an illicit love affair that could ruin me. Like that never happened. Or on the flip side you know, you don't, you never get an answer to that question because like there are breadcrumbs and clues that maybe Arthur was his son. Yeah. You know? And, and that's like an interesting dynamic too, like how it ties in with Bruce Wayne, um, in, in this universe. But you know, it really is like an interesting question that they bring up. Um, like, what do you guys think? Like, do, do you think at the end, we never get like an explicit answer, but in your mind is Arthur Thomas Wayne's son?
0: I, I, I flip flop on this a couple of times. Yeah. I was like, are they gonna go there with this? It's kinda weird. I think ultimately, and this plays into how well written this film is, mm-hmm. is I don't think he is ever meant to be his son. I think mm-hmm. it's all about this idea that of of delusion, right? Of, of basic, you know, mental illness in both his mother and him, you know, born out of different things. You know, Arthur Fleck's mental illness is likely born out of childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to the laugh, which we'll get to in a few minutes here when we talk about Arthur Fleck specifically. But that's what this film did to me. I called it a mind bend on Twitter, is that I don't know still to this moment what in this film is real, if anything. Right. There's a scene right. in there, one quick flash, where Arthur Fleck is bashing his head off in a padded room. Is this all in his head? Well, he's sitting in a padded room? I don't know. I don't know what's real mm-hmm. and what's not right down to the end of the
3: film. Right. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's always been the cool thing with Joker. Is it, um, is it killing Joker? I don't know, but Origin's or, always been like a multiple choice. Yeah, right. right and that's right. what you basically get throughout this film. Um, For, for me, I go with a the idea of basically the film told me what was real and what wasn't but you could take whatever you want you can go mm-hmm. the route that's like it's all open you can go the route that never left the asylum in the first place so it, it's totally cool how they, they play with that mm-hmm. they're not necessarily holding your hand telling you exactly how the story ends yeah. so I always thought that was um that was my take at least going yeah. forward with that Yeah. For sure. Um,
0: Let, let's talk about Arthur Fleck here yeah. well, well we kind of got this thread going here yeah. Joaquin Phoenix delivers an absolutely unbelievable performance in this character, both as Arthur Fleck, and I'm gonna separate Joker out too, because they're two totally different characters. Yeah. I mm-hmm. completely lose Joaquin Phoenix when he transitions into Joker. Yeah, I cannot see same way I couldn't see through Heath Ledger's makeup. I cannot see through the makeup. Mm-hmm. His the the demeanor, everything dramatically changes when he has that aha moment, that that light bulb when it goes off in his head, and he just becomes joker yeah he's no longer arthur fleck and i like what they did kind of going down the route of an adoption because one thing that everyone was talking about and what we even talked about was are they going to give a definitive origin to the joker arthur fleck yeah Yeah. that's kind of weird affleck all it's just it was weird but then the way that they kind of evolve all this out and there this again goes to how important the writing is is that it's so ambiguous at the end his mm-hmm. origin you do, like you get what the joker itself the concept is born out of kind of almost the figure the martyr i don't know what you want to call it but you understand that origin mm-hmm. but the origin of the character mm-hmm. or the human behind the joker to me it's all over the place. Yes. You have no idea what's <laughs> going on. So, what did you think of Arthur Fleck? Let's let's go right back to the kind of the skinny dude. He's working at basically he's a clown for hire. Um he's struggling, but he's reaching out. He's trying to get help. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the underlying tones here that I don't think I saw in any review is the fact that I don't think Todd Phillips is trying to justify the means to getting to the Joker. But he's kind of saying there and putting it in front of you, like this idea that this man is is clearly has mental issues. Mm-hmm. He's, he's sick. He's seeking help. But he's seeking help, yeah. right there, and it's the social problems that collapse that eventually lead to him going off his meds and things kind of going from there. Mm-hmm. So, but Walking Phoenix in this yes. role, Troy, what, what are your thoughts?
3: Oh, brilliant, brilliant! I'm a huge fan of Walking Phoenix. He nailed this role. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later on where I put him, I guess, with uh, with the Joker's. But um, no, he's fantastic. And then you know, going back to what Tim was mentioning, it's it's in your face the whole time that nobody's listening to this guy's help. He needs mm-hmm. help. He blatantly says it to the social worker. He's like, you never listen to me. Right? Right. He's always asking for help. The people in his corner aren't even in his corner. Really, they're they're. There's no support system whatsoever. They're delusions, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know he's basically a victim of his environment in some ways. Um, but yeah, you know his performance with the Joker is is one thing. But Arthur Fleck was was fantastic because we've seen so many interpretations of the Joker throughout God knows how many years. So to finally see you know the. I don't want to say Jack Napier, but to see his Arthur Fleck was really cool, um, and then it's well earned when he finally transitions into the Joker that we all know for the most part. Yeah. Uh, fantastic, I, in my opinion, this guy gets an Oscar nom hands down, one hundred hands 100%. down. Yeah.
0: It, and the thing that I love about it too is that it's not like Jack Napier's bad for the sake of being bad. Like mm-hmm. it's a good, it's a good role and all that. But this character, you see this slow and steady degradation of, of an individual who's mm-hmm. lost every single support system. Even the one he thought he had was made up in his head. Yeah. Was mm-hmm. as he beats character exactly. Sophie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was something that he was relying on. And you go through this, even on the bus when he's with the kid, like he wants to interact with people. He wants to be this comedian yeah. that stands up and makes people laugh. His mom said to him, you know, you were born to bring joy to this world. Right. And he really believes in that. You know, he's not evil but he believes this whole concept that he is here to bring joy and he's attempting to do that being a clown in general right so this individual doesn't start off with like this light and dark side this Jekyll Hyde type of character it's a slow and steady degradation of this as he loses everything around him until he finds a place where he feels that he is in control that's what he's seeking through this whole film and it just takes a really wild twist when he finally does take control of something. And we're going to get into that. So, Carlos, what do you, what do you think here of Walking Phoenix in this role? I know you loved it, but is there something specific that you loved about what he did?
1: I just, the part that really captivated me is how he he draws you in to Arthur legitimately trying to be a decent mm-hmm. person and do what's mm-hmm. asked of him. Yep. Like, he's asked to have a job. You can see him struggling and doing everything he can to hold down his job and do the best work he can at that job he's told to take his medication he takes the medication even the whole thing with the journal the social workers like well i told you you have to have a journal and i told you you have to bring it and even though he didn't want to he still pulls it out and complies and he had yeah. been writing in it mm-hmm. and doing what he was asked and like without showing my hand like i do touch these things a little bit in my real life and those are things you don't see right like you often see people that don't want to take their medication and that's what leads to problems or people that just don't want to engage and Um, you know there's things that aren't comfortable or that are going to be challenging for them to do that they're like "Ah, I don't want to do that so for me that really sent a message as to what this guy is all about Mm -hmm. um, and that he's legitimately trying but yet the circumstances of the society that are even outside the control of the people that are around him and failing him like the first social workers like I have no money I have no resources to afford Mm -hmm. to you so Sorry, right? Which is kind of plays into Thomas Wayne being the antagonist, because that's a person who, if they wanted to, could help could, a whole bunch yeah. of people, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Sorry to cut you off there, but the thing is with Thomas Wayne, though, he's running for mayor. He's not in the position to help people yet. Like, by all means, is this not like a, is not a doctor at this point? Because in the comics, he's a doctor. They don't yeah. really say what his whole occupation is. So I assume he's a doctor running for mayor. So is he in the position to help people at this point yet? Well, I
2: think he, like, owns Wayne Industries, right? Because, like, remember the people that get shot in the subway system? They said they worked for Wayne Industries, I think Mm. is what they called it. Wayne Financial. Wayne Financial. Financial. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, like, the bank, too, I think was Wayne Financial. So he's probably, like, the CEO of a bank or, you know, some really, like, High up, big mm.
3: shot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's yeah
2: more... I ain't seen no doctor that's a billionaire. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the that's what he was though. Right. Okay. I think they had to like change it. Right. Yeah. As times advance, yeah. it's like, wait, what? What? Your doctor is a billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is he selling on the side here?
0: To to
1: the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought he was kind of like a Warren. What's his face? Oh, there. Warren Buffett. Yeah. yeah. Warren yeah. Buffett that's type character. So
0: and I guess it's not when I say the antagonist is Thomas Wayne. To me, that's just the representation mm-hmm. of the greater antagonism within the film there's like five characters in this film like you look at the we just reviewed endgame a couple months ago and there's like 40 people that talk about (laughs) there's five people ish to talk about in this film that have any substantial role here Mm -hmm. and thomas wayne is one of them and i think it's he's just specifically there Gets you the Wayne nod, but it kind of gives you that perspective. You know, even when he goes and he meets him later on, he's in this bathroom, you know, he's he's got to hide to get into this thing. He's not allowed in this space, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just about the representation of it. I think the audience's view into that social class elite without kind of rubbing it in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, Sanjay, Arthur Fleck. Yeah,
2: Walking um, Phoenix, like... He brought it, you know, he, he, every scene, you know, you, your eyes were captivated towards him. He carried every, every scene. He stole every scene. And like, just talking about his Arthur Fleck, um, you know, up to a point, like, it's amazing how sympathetic he is, you know, you know, he's going to turn into the Joker and you know, he's going to commit these horrific crimes yet, you know, you're watching him and you're watching him struggle and you're like sympathizing with him. You're like, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. And it's like this, like, that's what makes it such a tragedy. It's like, it's like a Greek tragedy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the outcome, but yet you can't help, but like watching and in your head be like, well, maybe it'll turn out differently this time. You know, maybe this is the one Joker that maybe he'll turn into the the white Knight Joker and he'll save the day. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, Arthur Fleck, um, you know, up until a point. I mean, once, once the killings start as Arthur and then he slowly like melds into this Joker character, um, the sympathy kind of loses its way but it's uh, it, it's fascinating like just, just seeing like kind of where he starts and where he finishes and just like the Arthur character how he is like kind of a social outcast like he doesn't really even know like normal social cues you know like there's a scene where he's studying like how to come out at near the end when he's like studying how to come out of the talk show and like what a normal
1: confident person would like be like, Like
2: he he doesn't know even how to do that. It's like, Oh,
1: the comedy club scene, it was like uncomfortable and heartbreaking and charming. Mm -hmm. And you just like, yeah, you almost wanted to give that guy a hug and be like, Oh buddy, this is like not a good idea kind of thing. Oh yeah. But then there's like a definite flip where it's just like, you're despicable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, They did a good job in like distinguishing where like a human being you could empathize with mm-hmm. and then he has a whole different personality but there's like this through line through the whole th- it was well, that's always been yeah, sorry profound like that performance
2: yeah th- that's kind of like always been what draws me towards the joker is like at one scene like taking the dark knight for example one scene he'll make you laugh When he's like, you want to see a magic trick? Boom, the guy gets a pencil through his eye. He's like, I'm going to make this pencil disappear. Gets a pencil through the eye. The the crowd's laughing. And you're like, that's horrific. Like, if you think about it, really, he just drove a pencil through a man's eye and we're all laughing. And then there's, like, the next scene where he's, like, he's, like, uh, the shaky cam and he's interrogating the fake Batman. And he's like, look at me, right? And, like, that's the first time he really, like, terrified you. And then, like, a couple scenes later, he dresses up like a nurse before he blows up a hospital. And you're laughing again. And that's, like, kind of the complexity of the Joker. It's like, he's almost like the devil in a way. Like he's your best friend when he needs to be, but he can turn on you like that. And that's what makes him so scary is like, just to even be around him. You don't know which Joker you're going to get that day.
3: Right. And, and they capture that so well in this mm-hmm. scene when he takes out his uh, clown buddy. Right. right? Yeah. When the shortcut, the dwarf basically is like, wants to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm there on the edge of my seat, thinking like, "Oh my God, is he going to kill him too?" Yeah, you know. But then that also goes into the example, the fact that it's kind of like the message you can take from his films is you know just kind of treat others with some respect, yes. be nice to others, mm-hmm. right? Because it's kind of a cool side to see Joker be like, "You know, what? you're the one guy that's always been nice to me," and mm-hmm. you know, gets the door for him, and lets him on his way.
2: I, I loved him when he did like the fake out. I mean, he's like, ah, and he's like, no, just kidding. But you know, it's <laughs> so Joker though. Yeah, right. Yeah, Great. Um But you bring up an interesting point. Like, I think that scene, like, so he lets he lets him go, like the other clown. Um, and you're like, okay, so he still got like a little bit of like humanity in him. Like is a twisted warped humanity where he has like these morals of like right and wrong. And the one guy wronged him. So in his mind, he passed judgment that he should die. Whereas the other one, you know, he, he passed judgment that he should live because he was nice to him. But at the end of the film, um, when it was just like the psychiatrist who was helping and like, she did nothing wrong. And then like I interpreted it as like he kills her at the end and like he escapes he, he loses that and he becomes like full blown he loses his humanity yeah. as arthur and now he's just only known as joker yes exactly right?
3: exactly it yeah yeah, yeah i agree
0: well, wait, when we get to the end here we can talk about that because i didn't interpret that i didn't when i walk like i didn't get that from that scene the walking away i took yeah. it more as kind of he's got blood in his hands oh okay but not specifically her blood more like
2: metaphorical
0: yeah like that's why i took that end scene
2: but like, like I, it's like it then it's like
0: how did he escape if it's just like just like meandering around and it's just like oh i don't know i took it more of it like in his own mind yeah it's just like, right? a, like yeah his, the looney tune things was him running like him running circles in his own mind
2: mm-hmm. right and that's oh, the beauty of this film cause yeah. there's so much you can take away
3: yeah. from and each scene basically Right.
2: yeah that's what makes this film like you know so discussable like we'll, we'll be talking about this film in 10 years yeah. Well, yeah. well, the theories that are going to come out of this thing. Right. Like right? this isn't like a forgettable one and done. Like, okay, we watched it. And now let's never speak of it again. This isn't
0: like X-Men Origins Wolverine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's certainly not. Now, when we see Arthur Fleck really starting to, you know, question what is going on in his own life. And it's after he gets this kind of beat up by a bunch of kids, right? He gets kind of, you know, kicked down, face rubbed in the ground, beat up. Loses, almost loses his job here because he's just different, right? And one of the things that makes Arthur different is this inability to control laughter. And there's something about the Joker, it's the laugh, right? We've always just assumed that's part of it. From Cesar Romero right through Ledger, they all had very specific laughs. And this is kind of a core to the character, at least as it's portrayed on film. And the thing that I absolutely love in this film is that they took that and gave it a spin and connected it a bit more fundamentally to the issues that arthur fleck have as it being again in his card it kind of says is brought on by brain damage or whatever but to me it seems like it's even more tied to his character in the sense that it seems to have been brought on by childhood tragedy is the fact that he has this uncontrollable laugh and that connecting that so deeply into the joke or something, the laugh that is meant to be him being crazy, but it's so much more than that. And that's kind of the tragedy end of this thing is that he's laughing because of tragedy, because of what happened in his life. And the the laugh that Phoenix puts to screen, it's scary because it's on and off, on and off. And it's not as menacing as Ledger's laugh, as even some of the other ones that we've wow. seen. Mm-hmm. Hamill, yeah. yes. It's, it's different and that to me speaks to the character of Arthur Flex and the complexity of it. Because with the laugh in itself, did you find that that uh, my interpretation, are you taking the same thing from it as far as it being, you know, something that is quite a bit different than we're used to with the, with the Joker?
1: Yeah, that, that it was a coping mechanism, yeah. I thought was the most, and then that's reinforced when they get into his childhood and the thing that i found the most compelling about it was that you never knew if he was actually laughing because he thought something was funny or he was mocking something or if he was sad because that was the other part of it when he'd get upset or his feelings were hurt his cope like he'd start laughing and that was his coping mechanism right and that's Mm -hmm. that scene on the bus where he gives the lady the card because he's upset that she won't let him interact with her kid kind of thing right Mm so um yeah no it was amazing that it was a like a quasi-nervous tick yeah. type of thing and that it was a, a, like a defense mechanism I thought was brilliant yeah. and that of all the aspects of the Joker that Todd Phillips thought the laugh Yeah, that's right. what I want to play with Yeah, it's amazing so much more fundamental
0: to what Arthur Fleck's going through and you're right it gives you all those cues you know when he's nervous you know when he's upset and he, he's all over the place with it and like you know, people like I, my my daughter has a little bit of a, her own little thing coping mechanism. It's not quite this, but it's it's so much more because you can understand in certain social scenes where he is struggling, even when he's standing up as as the comedian. You know, he just starts laughing, and that's eventually what gets him noticed. Mm. You know, with with this this Murray show or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and I don't know th- that to me that's something that I heard before. And I, if you guys remember, I almost queued it up on the podcast, and I said no, I'm gonna let this one sit because I think to me it's just a brilliant piece of writing when it comes to Joker.
3: Yeah, I'm. Um, that's the one I think I didn't really like from this really? film. Yeah, no, I um, for me, I love the control that Joker has over the laugh. I, mm-hmm. it, it's gonna sound weird, but for me, the laugh to Joker in a sense is kind of like organic web shooters or, or web shooters that you make. <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of weird, right? And yes. so for me, Joker being able to control it and use it when he wants to, to play with the audience, to play with his victim, I really love that aspect. Um, when we had the trailer, I think it's trailer two, when we're seeing him walk out the hallway and he's trying on that laugh, Obviously, you know, now it's mm. because of this Kobe mechanism. But when I saw it, I thought it's like his laugh, like he's rehearsing that laugh yeah. when he's it on his victims or the crowd or wherever the case is. So for me, that's just kind of the joke I like. But for this film, it totally makes sense. So I can't yeah. knock it because it, it's it's a big focus for this whole film. So it makes sense to me. It's just not how I would do it. But I'm not Todd Phillips. I'm not a filmmaker. <laughs> I'm just an average Joe. So that's that's my <laughs> take on now. the whole laugh. Yeah. Um,
2: the one thing I really liked is uh, seeing the laugh hurt the Joker. Yeah. It, it was something that he had no control over and it like physically pained him to do it. Like you could see them clutching his chest and that's something that's never been done before as far as I know. No. normally, it's just like a laugh that he's just like practiced. he's got a down pat. But like to see him like it hurts him, but yet he still can do it. You know, he still does it. like I, 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 I like that. Like the laugh, I thought the laugh was great. Um, to be honest with you, I think every laugh has been great as a joker. like even as much as we like shun on um, Jared Leto, I thought his laugh was fantastic in Suicide Squad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 It's it's an aspect that has always to me portrayed kind of the manic side of mm-hmm. Joker, that he's enjoying yes. what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that. Yeah. This is completely opposite. See, and
3: that's that's why I, I dis and that's why I disconnect with because I love the madness that he has. Like he loves doing what he's doing, which is horrible, yes. but that's the Joker. Whereas opposed to like the opposite again I get it it goes with the film but for me you called it that's exactly what I take from the Joker's laugh every time when he laughs in the, yeah. the films yeah. and the, mm-hmm. the cartoon series Mark Hamill's laugh to me is the definitive laugh of all so time so good but yeah. you're right every every laugh has been great even going down to Jared Leto's yeah.
2: he, he should do that in episode 9 just like a Joker laugh. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> just step up. After all is said and done, Ray thinks she's won the day and this. All you hear is the laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> now, now, one of the things that
0: starts to change Arthur Fleck from this character, the character that, you know, we've talked about here that is seeking help, wants to do better by himself into the character that eventually turns into Joker is when we're on the train scene here, this is after he's gotten beaten up, he's got his full clown gear on, and these three bros jump on the train and start bothering this woman. And the thing that I find most interesting about this scene, and I question this, even before the Sophie's, as he beats Reveal and all that, I question whether or not this was a real thing in the film. Because she shoots him a look and kind of gives, like, the, you know, can can you help me here? And then he goes into this nervous laugh And then the focus goes away. And then all of a sudden he starts shooting these guys after they start kicking the shit out of him. You know, again, this flashback PTSD from getting beat up earlier on in the film. And he's got this gun from his buddy and he just pops these guys and then like cold-blooded murder, right? You know, you can maybe argue the first one is in self-defense. I don't know if you could argue that, (laughs) but at least it's implied that way. But then the following one, especially the last guy, mm-hmm. it's a seek and kill. Yeah. And then a gratuitous kill at that when he shoots him in the back several times as he's screaming and walking away. He's made his point by this. And then he takes off. But he goes just – it's it's crazy to watch that scene because that is it, guys. That is when he starts to feel like Joker. Because even after that, he walks in or he thinks he walks in in his delusion – And it's implied that he goes into Zazie Beats into Sophie's room, or place, and makes love with her, right? After the kill. And that is twisted in itself. Mm -hmm. And so it makes you wonder what happened there. Because I swear, up until even that point, when he walks into that that, uh, apartment, I thought he was going to wake up and have this girl continuing to look at him. That he went into some delusional haze. And this is what, in his mind, he wanted to do. And I'm not, like, I don't know. If it weren't for the news reports after, I would have said that was all in his head. Mm -hmm. And that's where this film really starts to take a crazy bend for me, is at this scene. Because this is one of the moments where I sat back and was like, whoa, like, out loud, like, audible, whoa in the film. Because I just did not see that coming. You know, we, like, and that goes to how Joaquin Phoenix portrayed Arthur Fleck in that first even core to the film you know it's not a fast-paced rapid film you're watching this character it gives you all the it tells you everything it shows you everything none of this is implied it gives you everything you need to build up this character luther fleck but then to see him go like did you have that same i know we're sitting beside each other carlos but like did you have that same kind of gasp when he started pulling the trigger there
1: yeah, well, and it was just it was just such an evolution, right? So he nails that first guy. Yeah, and I was I kind of marveled at like the the headshot kind of thing, and it's like okay, where is this gonna go, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is his reaction gonna be? Because he's been like this kind of meek character before that, and then he takes out the second guy, and then when he stalks and hunts down that third guy, yeah, and like you say, that's that's that point where he realizes when he exerts this extreme form of control over people um, is when he feels best about himself and to go back to the laugh I might be wrong but I don't think he laughed at the back half of the film like after he became the Joker
0: mm-hmm.
1: once he I'm put on to... the suit
0: yeah you once he put on the suit I don't know if he did yeah because okay.
1: I think that was this that was when he was in control right yeah, when he mm-hmm. lost the tick oh yeah. That's so I don't know. I, like I'm dying for a second viewing, but right. I was just kind of thinking about that when you were chewing over it, and it was, and that certainly happened in that scene where he goes into the hysterics because yeah. he's so uncomfortable. He want,
0: and you almost get the feeling that he wants to do something, right? Yeah. And but he has no control over that, and he gets nervous, and he gets upset, and then he this laugh comes out, and that draws the attention, right? It has, inadvertently, he has this, the effect that he wants to have. Yeah. Um, And then it leads to all of this, which is it's it's pretty
2: wild. Um, Yeah. Like just taking a step back from the subway scene, the scene when he's in the children's hospital is like maybe the most heartbreaking scene in the whole movie. Like you got these kids, like they're obviously battling cancer, battling some like messed up stuff. And and then um, him like trying to cheer them up. Right. He's like this clown and like he's like singing along, dancing and like it's going fairly well for what it is, like for what the situation is. And then for the gun to fall out and just like the the like everyone in my like audience they're not everyone but like people like in my audience like gasped at that scene. It was just so heart wrenching and like you're like you know, at that point you're like cheering for this guy, and then like that happens and you're just like, Oh man, like I understand because like he needed to protect himself and like one guy gave him the gun. But it was just so like so heart-wrenching like you know like the feels in that scene you know like this so well done like everything that's crafted around that that like the scene where he gets fired you're like well yeah obviously he has to get fired um but like man that is just like heart-wrenching for me
3: and he even says that's his favorite job i think like he yeah, loved that job right right
2: yeah, yeah. and he's just like man like like you obviously he has to get fired you yeah. got it right but like you're just like man like oh it's just so sad like you know it's like what are the chances that like it it came out and then like he like tries to pick it up even. And then he like kicks it further and stuff. And it's just like fumbling around. It's just like, Oh man, like please end now. Like this is just, just the feels (laughs) on like that one scene for me was like intense.
0: But that goes to the idea that he has no idea what social norms are. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the fact that he just didn't leave it in his locker. Yeah. You know, I know in in his mind he thinks he needs some sort of protection now. And this guy Mm -hmm. has kind of talked him into that. Yep. you know someone that's supposed to be maybe a bit of a confidant for him someone that he trusts mm-hmm. and he shoots it off in his apartment too right oh yeah like, he clearly has no idea what he's doing yeah but then going back to the train scene he has he's in full control of that weapon mm-hmm. like he's fumbling with it drops it shoots it in his house and then all of a sudden he's like you know shooting these guys in the back like mm-hmm. don't, like
3: yeah. it's I, an I, empty clip
0: like i'm not like <laughs> i'm not any by any means someone that is proficient with a weapon i've shot a handgun before but like this guy's never shot a gun before and is pretty good with it. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know, as he's hunting these guys down, maybe he has. Right. We never really
2: found out why he was in the uh, in Arkham before. Yeah. True. Right.
0: I don't know. It's uh, it, it's I don't, I don't know. It's it's crazy to go back and watch. You know, just thinking through this as we're talking through it, kind of that evolution, even into the comedy show here, when he does work up the confidence to get onto stage. And he does go into this laugh, but imagine that, you know, someone that has, you know, those major anxieties with crowds, with people and all that to to grow up with enough courage just to get up there. Mm -hmm. And the thing that that I love about how this is shot, this particular scene, is that it leaves you on a note where it's implied that he thinks it went really well because basically he's kind of puts his arms out. You hear people laughing in his head and you get the bright lights Mm -hmm. and then it just ends there until it picks up later on. Like, that is brilliantly shot. But this is, again, before Todd Phillips has let you in on the secret that that he's basically an unreliable narrator, as you called it, Carlos, earlier Mm -hmm. on when we were discussing this right after the film. And that's established. Like, this stuff is all over the place. But it gives you so much to chew on in this early part of the film, this first half of the film when we're building towards this Joker and this first killing and this comedy show. Like, Troy, like, do you, did you appreciate kind of in those moments as we're going to talk here about this unreliable narrator when he's with Zazie Beats and Sophie? But did you appreciate in the film as we got up to this point that everything that you were seeing wasn't real? Like, did, were you walking that line even on the train scene where you didn't think that was happening?
3: Yeah, the train sequence was a little, whew, that's a. That was one of the tough ones because that's the first introduction to him really going off and killing, um, especially like I mentioned, you know, the third victim at the end where he's going until the the gun's empty, uh, which was something else. I still kind of got the idea that he's like a you know, bumbling, you know, with a weapon. It is like a fluke that he yeah. hit him, but mm-hmm. you know, because I think the first one was a headshot, right? Yeah. Is that correct? yeah. But he was like
0: yeah. the, the, the seek and destroy, like I yeah, it's like boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, the first one is yeah. like self
3: defense, then after it's, yeah, it's another level. But what I really appreciate is this transition into the Joker embracing it after that whole shot sequence he goes into kind of like a bathroom of some sort mm-hmm. still has the makeup on yeah. does that weird dance of some sort which really works for me in this film when he does those dances yeah. at least in a couple occasions but the first one really works for me and what's beautiful is during that whole scene that's one of the posters like right. yeah. and that's fantastic they captured that and put on a poster because it's, it's, it's that uh cinematic yeah. you know so that for me worked really well but yeah the, the gun sequence the train sequence was crazy um the reveal, though, because up until, also we got the reveal, I'm kind of like, this is weird that Zazie Beast would fall for yeah. this guy, mm-hmm. you know? You know, I know they had the little, not even a flirt, she had a little encounter in the elevator.
0: Or did she?
3: Well, I think they, they do double down on it. I think they do go back showing that she did do the whole, like, shoot myself. And they, they had that yeah. encounter. Yeah, that she, was
0: it. And she knew who, what his name, you know, they had talked once. Right,
3: she's familiar that like she lives yeah. with, he lives with his mother right yeah but um that reveal was was something else i'm a sucker for twists and prequels and this this, this film delivered <laughs> yeah. so
0: yeah that yeah. that blew me away <laughs> yeah. that whole thing because it in 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 retrospect it makes you rewind back and say okay what's real and then mm-hmm. they, going forward i don't know what's real anymore because they i thought to be honest with you up until the point where that is actually revealed when he comes back to her apartment and he's kind of drenched there And I believe this is after the reveal with Thomas Wayne when he has the encounter that, you know, that he's an orphan. He's been lied to his whole life. But that whole thing, it just took my breath away.
2: Yeah. Because
0: Mm -hmm. it was just like, what? Like, I thought it was all real. I did question, you know, like, why would she fall for this dude? But you know what? There's someone for everyone. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they just had kind of like this relationship <laughs> born out of this idea that they're both misfits, maybe outsiders, loners, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they had something fundamentally in common is that they both just wanted to enjoy each other's company and something evolved from that. It was a bit unbelievable, but not completely off the perspective of this is something that can't happen. Deadpool. Exactly. Right? And so I, I, I just, that whole scene, like, Sanjay, did you feel that, like, when they made that reveal? Oh, yeah. Like, was that, like, to me, that was just one of the best reveals in the entire film. To me, that, that almost makes it, because it, it just presents itself with, this is what this is now. This movie just evolved into something completely different.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, up until then, you had just been bought everything he was selling, right? You're like, okay, taking it for face value. Then after that, you got to reflect and be like, oh, yeah, like, she was only in a couple scenes, so, like, you know, you can go back and rewatch it, and you'd know, right? It wouldn't, like, fall apart because, like, she's in a ton, and you're like, wait a second. In this one scene, like, all these people, like, interact, you know? So, like, it, it was really good. And I think, like, uh it kind of like speaks to Joker going a little bit like crazy or like getting a little bit like angry and frustrated because like, you don't know what's real. And then much as it's like in this film, you don't know what's real. You don't know what's like fake. What's what's real. So like, it kind of like puts you in that sense of like what it would be like, like just going back and even like the Thomas Wayne thing, you know, he doesn't know, right. He sees his picture that says like, You have a beautiful smile, TW. Right, like so. He's like, well, maybe, maybe he is my dad. And then like, like the whole like, no, like she faked it, like or she didn't fake it, but like, um, she adopted you, and like, she, um, you know, she, the whole thing was like in her head, you know, um, and it would kind of like drive you a little bit batty because you wouldn't know like what to believe in or like what is real, and you know, it would it would drive any sane
0: person like off the rocker well the one constant in his life up until this point was his mother Mm -hmm. and that relationship right and then he breaks in or he goes into arkham and pulls that the the documents from this guys and he finds out that the one thing his anchor in life Mm -hmm. it's all a fabrication and that's what unwinds him is that he has no idea what's real and what's not right Mm -hmm. he already is having these delusional issues but then his the fabric of his life just gets
1: untwisted with a finger snap One, that his childhood trauma was so strong that there was things that he had forgotten that he had experienced, right? So, And actually, I I just kind of realized this now, the reason that he latched so much on to those things that his mother had said to him about being a light to the world and being there to make people happy was probably the only things that he remembered because those were the only positive things that were happening to him as he was getting brutalized and stuff like that growing up. So uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like it speaks mm-hmm. to how strong the writing was in this movie. Or even yeah. just like to go back to the apartment scene when he has the flashbacks as to what his relationship with her is and he you go back and you see all those scenes all over again really quick, but now she's not there. And like you said, Sonny, mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. affect what happened in the narrative, but you see just his disposition totally change. Yeah. With what his life is like in his mind's eye with her there Mm -hmm. versus what the reality is like without her in it so
2: well i actually heard that they changed that scene like um initially they took it out but uh it was a lot more um she was like so he breaks into her her apartment says he beats his character uh sophie and she's already on the couch, like, making love with like another guy, and then like he kinda loses it, and then like that's when you find out that the whole thing was a fabrication. Mm-hmm. And then like I think it was a lot more like gratuitous and like a lot more like showed stuff. This one they kinda left it ambiguous, kind of, but you're like, Yeah, no, she's uh she's gone, right? Like that's what I took, that like he he killed her and her kid. And like for this film to be like it's so controversial. I think they kind of had to, like, remove that because, like, it would
0: just add another scene of controversy, right? I think it's more powerful the way it is. Totally. Like, it's... To me, that it just speaks about the character of Arthur Fleck. It doesn't have to be gratuitous violence or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And it doesn't have to be him flipping out. It just... To me, the way that's executed, and he sits in there, she asks him to leave, he gets up and leaves, he still has that, that sense of humanity to him. Yes. But he's like teetering on the edge at this point
3: right well yeah i think it's great it leads to like the mystery almost right like i took it that he didn't kill her or the oh, kid okay. but no. but you could also take, take it the other way that he went and murdered everybody in that room like you it's think... cool that's left open that way yeah you
0: interpreted that he killed her and the kid absolutely yeah, yeah. oh i never took that at all
3: yeah really? that's how
1: i saw it too and it was more so just his reaction mm-hmm. when he's back in the room so when he's back in his own apartment and he's just beside himself, yeah. but he's laughing, right? And that kind of goes back to the you can't tell that he if he's ha- if he's happy that's... or sad. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, but there's well, like he was sitting on the cu- on his own couch at that point in time mm-hmm. after she tells him to leave, and right. like like it's one of those like I'm kind of just for my own sensibilities. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he totally left, and he left the kid alive and everything else. <laughs> yeah. just well,
2: you see the ambulance sirens in the background, right? Mm. And, like, going near to the uh, apartment. So that's kind of, like, what I took is, like, yeah, no, she's... Because you never see her again in the rest of the
0: movie, and uh, so that's what I kind of took it as. Interesting. I did not... That's This is wild talking yeah. this so loud. Like, yeah. I did not take that at all.
3: Well, it's kind of like, um, you know, because at that point, he's still teetering between... Affleck and or Fleck and (laughs) and Joker, right? So much like he let the guy go, the the short guy. Yeah, I figured he let this family go too because there's still that good in him. But I like that. It's it's. I mean, it's it's open, right? Right. And I kind of took it as
2: like when she's like, "Well, who are you?" I kind of took that as like a trigger for him because he was like he built up in his head like they had this relationship, and he's kind of teetering. And then like the one like kind of I wouldn't say like love, but like the person he's dating and like seems to kind of get him. You're like, oh. And then like she just like said, like, who are you? So then I think like that kind of like made him snap a little wow. bit, like, yeah. Who who am I? Yeah. You know, and then he's like, What are you
0: talking about? Like I'm yeah, the
3: goddamn joker. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that's that's what it kind of leads us to the point of when he does his first real personal kill, right? We have the kill in the train, which is like we said, self-defense, and then it gets a bit more, you know, down that path of of the of the, the, the maniac killer. But then when he has the dude come over that worked with him that kind of set him up to lose his job with the gun and all that Mm -hmm. and then you have the little person that comes with him as well and this is another gas moment for me is when you kind of knew it was coming when he has the scissors and then Mm -hmm. he jams them into this guy's neck and this is the first time i think you really see major violence like you see when the guy gets shot it's a flash it's it's quick not gratuitous this one is personal it you feel this one right you go back at least in my head to the idea of i think joker in the dark knight talking about using knives as opposed to guns because the kill is personal you're there you feel it you know you're actually doing you're not you know at a pace away with a gunshot or whatever right like even the first kill he's not looking at this guy in the face when he kills him Mm -hmm. this one he's looking at this guy right in the face and you, the boom, boom, boom against the head, like, that is a personal kill. To me, the first set isn't personal. This one, this is where you see, again, the continued degradation of Arthur Fleck in a Joker because this is now a personal kill. He's He's gone and premeditated this almost to a degree. Maybe it's a bit happenstance of the fact that they showed up, but as soon as they showed up, he knew what he was doing as soon as they walked in.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I agree. And that was kind of that moment where he's in his penultimate transition into the Joker, right? So he's ready to go, and like you say, it's just, oh, this is almost convenient that they showed up because he'd want to have to deal with those guys as well. So, yeah, no, it was was powerful, like, with the use of violence there and just, yeah, like, even how he went about it, right? So the scissors for the initial kill and then when he keeps going it it was almost as though he's like smashing out that last vestige of his old life yes
2: Mm -hmm. yeah 100% I love that oh yeah
1: loves the wrong word (laughs) the description (laughs) yeah Um, and
2: you can tell like when he lets the other person go he's still fully intending on killing himself at the Murray show at that point right like that was his whole plan was to kill himself live on TV um and that's the only reason why he would let him go right because like why would he let someone go that can finger him and be like this guy clearly like he murdered him and like he did all this other stuff so i think you know he had nothing to lose at that point so he's just like yeah you can go right like it it was i think it was like until much later or until he was actually at the show and his interactions with murray and just like how little murray cared about him or even knew about him right like when he was like can you call me Joker? And then he's like, why? And he's like, well, that's why you called me. And he's like, was it? Like, he, did, he didn't even know, right? Like, he cared so little of Arthur. And, uh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to the Murray scene. But, uh, yeah, I, that's what I took out of it, too. It's just, like, at that point in time, he's like, this, I have nothing to lose. This guy, like, ru- ruined me in his mind, right? Like, he gave me the gun. He set me up.
0: So he's got to go. But it's funny because, like, that – you say it ruined him but that's I, at his mind at this point that's what made him right yeah and if he didn't have that mm-hmm. gun he i don't know maybe he would have eventually descended into what he becomes mm-hmm. but that is the catalyst for it all is oh, having yeah. the ability to defend himself mm-hmm. yeah. but it, it's something like to me that's that this is the guy that set him on this path
1: yeah well and didn't that guy
3: throw him under the bus too with yeah. the with the boss mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
0: he said oh yeah you, you tried to buy gun off me earlier or whatever
3: well right? but that's the cool thing because I've, I've read a couple theories and they say that there's so much out there in this film like that possibly the guy didn't actually give him the gun like possibly like well, Joker got the gun so, himself oh, which just so okay. adds more hilarious to the yeah. fact how crazy oh. Joker really is and this guy could have yeah. actually just been an innocent normal man right. <laughs> that's it's, been taken out by the well, Joker
2: well he does say like we gotta get our story straight from the cops right? right so it's like if he had nothing to really do with
0: it, why would he need to get his story straight? But it could have been because he used his gun. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like a registered gun or right. I didn't even think yeah. of it that way, the, but that's that totally. That's it's, another it's, aspect. It's nutty.
3: They also said, um, going back to when he gets the sign stolen from him, that it actually never actually happened.
0: Oh.
2: And
3: that's why the boss is kind of like, really? Like, kids stole a... A sign from you, like just give the sign back. Right. right. So there's all these different layers to this film that you can look at. Like wow. it's yeah. all through the perspective of Joker, right? Yeah. But we don't know what's what.
2: It'd be really interesting so, if you go back and look at his apartment. See if the boards there. See if they, yeah, like a board's there or something. Like, right. Just like one board It'd that's be, like yellow, handy. or even like a different color that's just going out of business or something. Exactly. Just, just so you could be like, oh, maybe he did steal right? it, right? Yeah.
3: But but that scene though is it's probably one of my favorites. It's up there yeah. with <laughs> the white face paint on mm-hmm. the blood that splatters on. Like the imagery is just. It's, oh, it's yeah. something else. Um, I remember even seeing in the trailer, that was one of my favorite shots, where he's upside down. He's super skinny. It's, yeah. it's just, oh, it's, it's messed up looking. Yeah. But uh, again, like you were going back to, just showing the two sides of Arthur and Joker, letting his friend go, but killing his enemy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Ruthlessly, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's wild. Now, there is a few things that this film does take a very brief pause, and it's in the evolution of Arthur Fleck into Joker that they do do this, but they bring in Bruce Wayne, they bring in alfred and you know we've talked (laughs) about um a little chubby alfred uh we've (laughs) talked about thomas wayne here but it's it's interesting that they used bruce in this like Mm -hmm. to me and we'll talk about the very end here I, i don't know if they needed this it was kind of a nice nod to the idea that and at this point you're thinking like are they brothers which is yeah. which would be crazy mm-hmm. right the birth of one is you know this whole yin yang this inherent link between the two of them and the fact that he has hands on him in that way like it's it's pretty crazy but i thought it was cool at first i'm like okay i didn't we didn't really need this but when you look more fundamentally at what it's trying to do in that moment as it set it up i think it's it's completely fine to have this in here and have him actually interacting with bruce
2: Oh, absolutely. And I love how Bruce came down the bat Yeah. In his <laughs> treehouse, right? Yeah. yeah. It should have been like a red phone back there or something yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, well, it
1: just helps sell our story, right? Because absolutely. every single person that went to that movie knows Bruce Wayne and yeah. Batman and mm-hmm. where he comes from and everything else. So why not just cheat a little bit and use that to reinforce your story that you're telling with Arthur Flack, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree that you You didn't necessarily need it, but it did so much to grow Arthur's character and to show society reacting to him. And it really helped sell the Thomas Wayne stuff that that it led into later on. So, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah.
0: Now, when we're, as we're kind of talking through here, we're kind of talking through the evolution into Joker. And, you know, he's made the kills, he's had that personal kill, but now he goes in for the real personal kill here. You know, he's got this relationship with his mother. Like we talked about, it's kind of like one of the fundamental cores of who he is and one of the mainstays in his life. And after he finds out that his mom's effectively been lying to him his whole life and really is probably one of the root causes of him being the way he is, letting her boyfriends do whatever to him, going through this, you know, very traumatic childhood. You know, they talk about him being chained up to a radiator. Crazy stuff. He proceeds to kill her with a pillow. Again, a very personal kill. This isn't him turning off a machine, injecting air into a, uh, like an IV or whatever. This is, I can feel the life literally coming out of you, mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or adopted mom. Yeah. And this, again, it just goes to how his mind is, is warped. And this is that that one of those last steps I think he takes before coming truly the Joker. Like, this is as he's framing out what is next. You know, the crazy thing that we're going to talk about next year about the Murray Franklin show is this is, again, a bond that they had, right? They Mm -hmm. watch this every night Mm -hmm. together. And for it to kind of crescendo at this point where he kills her and then walks onto set. Yeah. It's crazy that he just didn't have even her watch all of this happen on TV. Knowing that she would be watching it, Mm -hmm. seeing him up there and going... You know what I mean? Like To me, you could have gone that path. But having this, again, very personal kill really steps you over that line.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, This is a tough one to watch. You know? (laughs) Him putting the pillow. It's it's, it's kind of telegraphed. You could see where it was going, obviously, this whole time. At least at that scene, that moment in the hospital. But, oh, man, that was that's pretty graphic that is one of the ones that was that's a gut punch yeah, yeah. for sure for yeah. me there yeah
2: it, it just goes to show just how important in today's society maury povich is because if we had the you are not the father or you are the father this whole thing could have been avoided <laughs> right it's just a simple paternity test well it's, it's, it's all we needed it's
3: interesting like is it that easy to adopt in gotham because she's clearly not oh, stable bruce but wayne yet- got
2: robin He's just like I will take him now. But he's Bruce Wayne. Like, <laughs> yeah. But but this
3: lady's not stable whatsoever. Yet yeah. she can you know qualify to adopt a well, child. Well,
2: maybe that's another notch for the they are that is her child. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like, like because Thomas, Thomas Wayne could forge that. Like you may you bring a good point. Someone right? who is like in the system, and you know has, has the should, power. You're right. And yeah. and like the mom
0: probably wouldn't be able to adopt.
2: Right.
3: But how old would you all say Arthur is in this film?
0: Mid forties, late forties, right?
3: But but don't they make reference to like, is a thirty year gap between like her affair with, if that actually happened, like, isn't there a timeline of thirty years? And he clearly doesn't look thirty.
0: He looks older than me. Right?
3: Well, yeah, he's, he looks he's like lived he's
2: a, a hard 40s, life. Right? Okay, like yeah. it's not yeah. like he's getting that fresh sea yeah. air and. Yeah. No.
1: Well, uh, and they talk about him having like head trauma and stuff like yeah, that right. too, which would affect the way that he looks, and mm-hmm. and he's clearly malnourished and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, he's not yeah. he's not going to the gym and. No, tapping into that fountain of youth. F- no, smoke. no,
0: he's not battling Bane and like arm wrestling or something. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, towards the end here, and this is where the film just kind of goes, is he's comes out in his full makeup here as he's getting ready to go on to the Murray Franklin show. Now, I gotta get everyone's take. You know, we saw the commercials, we saw the trailers, we saw the posters. But to see him in full makeup, purple suit, he's got the kind of different and more unique take on the actual mask itself. This isn't the acid bath. This is something that he puts on. I lose him at this moment. I lose Walking Phoenix. I lose Arthur Fleck here. I can't see through that makeup. There's something fundamentally different about what Walking Phoenix did when he transitioned into this character. When he suffocates his mom, kills this dude, make up he's heading for this show he's got a plan there it's a different character yep. what was Carlos like you you've seen so many different iterations of Joker through the comic books into the film and all this you know what what are the look here can you appreciate
1: it was just like the just the intensity that he had to him right and it was just this confidence overflowing With him and just the way he spoke and the way he carried himself and that he comes and he plants one on like the dr ruth type character and that he he, he's looking forward to and he's thriving on locking horns with murray franklin who's supposed to be kind of the quick-witted talk show host that would eat a guy like arthur fleck alive but he's he's gobbling it all up and taking no prisoners kind of thing so yeah it was he was frightening yeah. absolutely frightening so yeah
0: yeah sunjay man like, oh what'd you think of this you know we've seen it we've talked about it yeah. but to actually see kind of this like descendant into the joker like right. the joker
2: right well yeah like you can tell he's descending down the stairs he's dancing and it's like a happy tune right it's not like a sad song that he's dancing to he's having a blast you know this is a man that has nothing to live for uh you know nothing to lose at this point and, um, just to see him kind of turn into the Joker, like it's, it, it's really like, it's, it's a really good, like good scene. They like, they set it up really well. And, uh, just, uh, a little bit on Murray Franklin, like this guy is such a douche. Like, well, he, Robert De Niro plays the he, role. Oh, Robert De Niro nailed it. Like he was one of the, he was like the second best actor in the whole film from my opinion. Like he did such a good job. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because, like, De Niro, he's been in, like, a bunch of movies recently that none of them really moved the needle. And he could have easily just been, like, yeah, played, like, a corny, like, talk show host. But, like, he he did such a good job in this role for me. And uh, he's just so, like, unlikable and just so uncaring. And he's, you know, he's kind of, like, trying to portray, like, Arthur thought he was, like, the everyman, like, himself. But he turns out to be part of, like, the 1% in Arthur's mind, like, Just uncaring and like, just discards Arthur and like just uses him for whatever he needs and then he tosses him out like garbage.
0: So well, the De Niro has this way of making you not love the character, but you feel like you're supposed to relate to this guy and be like, yeah, he's like Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. right, or Carson maybe, where he's like, I'm supposed to like this guy, like like me watching it, I'm supposed to like De Niro, but I kind of know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it, it's it's hard because but i think that goes to de niro what he did right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you you think you're supposed to like him but you kind of see this kind of like yeah he's kind of a dick yeah. he made fun of him whatever but it's it's okay because you watch these talk shows and all this and they make fun of people all the time yeah right yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's so true like i think like a show like the soup you know i watch that show all the time
2: but you think about it, like all it is just ragging on these people and you don't know what's going on in their lives it's kind of like this film definitely holds like a mirror up to your own self. Mm -hmm. And just like, you kind of like self reflect on like your own, like life. And like, I hate to say it's kind of corny, but like society in general, you know, like it definitely makes you, it's not like a film where you come out and you're like, all right, on to the next thing. Like, let's go have lunch. Right. It just sits with you for a while and it gets you thinking and gets you talking. So,
0: well, and it's something that sometimes I sign off with is, you know, be nice to one Mm -hmm. another it really like coming out that was probably one of the things i thought of the most is like sometimes people just have a shitty day yeah Yeah. you know what i mean and you kind of have to think about that like even had an experience today i'm thinking like like this guy was being like really annoying and i'm thinking like (laughs) maybe he's just having an off day i'm just gonna leave this right and it, I it wasn't c- that annoying, <laughs> <I know. laughs> but it really makes you think. And but uh, Troy,
3: yeah, man. Choker. Oh, th- this scene. Th- this was this was fantastic. This is Joker. You know. Right in front of your face here. Um, for me it's kind of like a little bit of a end game when I could kinda of telegraph like, Oh shoot, Cap's gonna get the hammer, here we yeah. go. Yeah. And I was like, We're getting the killing joke, you know, that, that scene when he's when he's with the late night talk show host and he
2: Yeah, absolutely he, and, and he
3: blasts him. But for me it's it's uh the best performance that Walking Phoenix gives at this point. Like you, Tim, I was totally lost in the performance. I could not see him no at way. all mm-hmm. behind that makeup. The swagger that he has when he comes out, when oh. he, when he tells him, you know, call me Joker and yeah. he gathers himself, he does the dance and the guys are looking at him like who is this clown and he gets out there and he's comfortable like he is finally in his own skin the Mm -hmm. man he's meant to Mm be Mm -hmm. finally and Arthur Fleck is gone and he comes out there and you're just like thinking as a viewer like could you imagine just actually watching this live you know 11 o'clock at night seeing this go down and he's just on it. He's, he's the comedian that he's always meant to be, too. He's yeah. cracking the jokes. He's he's playing the whole crowd in front of him. And then he gets real with them and tells them exactly what he's going to do. And it's cool because you see him, you know, doing that knock-knock joke. And like, oh, my God, he's going to do it right here. And he pulls out, you know, the notes, which I thought yeah. was just yeah. so funny. And, oh, just a fantastic moment. And seeing him, you know, obviously take care of Murray. And yeah. Murray, Murray's kind of a scumbag, yeah. for right. sure. Even,
2: like, when he's, like, doing, like, the knock-knock joke. And he's clearly nervous. And he's like, you had to look that up. Like, just those subtle digs just but, to, like, keep going on him.
3: But for me, I didn't even feel like he was nervous. I guess he, he would be nervous, but, again, he carried himself in such a way, like, it's mm-hmm. part of the act. Right. For, for, for me, he was just, like, the Joker at that point. Yeah. Like, fantastic. in the costume... Right. Everything was great, man. Well,
2: yeah. I guess I should like wasn't like he seemed nervous, but like you could tell like you've seen his stand up before. So like if you saw that, that's the only interaction of this guy. Yeah. You'd be like, Okay, this guy clearly like is nervous, like he needs help. He's not like that great as a comedian. Mm-hmm. But he's still like digging at him, right? Yeah. Like this is like Murray Franklin. It'd be like it would be like, I don't even know, like like a billionaire like ragging on some like lemonade stand because it only made seventy five cents. Right. You know, like yeah. he, the, clearly like that's
0: But he becomes he, be, he becomes at one point when when Joker starts to really sound off on things, he thinks that he becomes the moral compass of society at this point, right? Uh, De Niro's character. And he tries to lecture him about, you know, you think you're this, you think you're that. And you think that this is all justified the fact that because this is when he admits that he kills the guys, oh, yeah. right mm-hmm. and this is what's inciting kind of this unrest right it's this building this idea you mentioned v for vendetta it's a similar mm-hmm. thing it becomes a symbol a representation mm-hmm. of the kickback and pushback against the societal elite mm-hmm. and he's basically taking credit for all this and de niro's pushing back on this and saying do you think you're justified and he he takes that role of being the elite at this point, right? And then that's when he turns around and says, you get what you deserve. Yeah. And yeah. pops him. Yeah, and the like, shot of it too. Yeah. Oh, wow. To me, another audible gasp. Yeah. yeah. Like, whoa. Like, you knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. But yeah. 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 Well, I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> yeah. The, the one thing this
2: film does is it doesn't waste a bullet. Like, every bullet is felt. You oh, know, 100%. This, this, this isn't is, like a, yeah. John Wick or The Matrix, where, like, they shoot, like, 5,000 rounds of ammo and you're just like okay this just like comical at this point every single gunshot has like weight to it
1: one that this scene might be the best testament to todd phillips um abilities because like you said you knew it was coming but they built so much tension there Mm -hmm. and they'd lead you along and let you off the hook and then lead you along and let you off the hook and you weren't sure if Joaquin was gonna kill himself or if he was mm-hmm. gonna cap De Niro, if he was gonna start spraying bullets all over the place, if it was gonna fa Like you had you knew something was gonna happen and you kinda of thought he was gonna pop him, but it just Todd Phillips did such a good job with just building tension tension and making you anxious as a viewer. Um, that when it happened, despite waiting for it, it caught me off guard yeah, and yeah. I, it was a shocking moment. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and
2: then I
0: pops him a couple more times. Well, yeah. I thought
2: they were going to go, you know, dark Knight returns route where he kills the whole audience. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, not with the naked flying babies, but uh, <laughs> with like a gunshot, right. I thought he was going to take care of like everyone. Like, uh, if you see the animated series or the animated movie, like they do a really good job of that. And it's like Conan O'Brien that plays the talk show host. And he like, yeah. he takes up the whole audience. So I thought that's like what he was going to do. Cause like, up until like this time you know i thought he was gonna get away you know like he we know the joker he's someone that like is never caught so i thought he was gonna take out the audience take out um murray and then he would just like be a thief and like vanish into the night like that's kind of where i thought it was going so i was surprised to see it was like he took out murray and then he kind of like just waited around to get
0: captured but i like that he didn't do that because he's Pride himself now on becoming the symbol, the clown, right? The mm-hmm. face of the uprising. Mm-hmm. And I think if he descended too far into that and starts taking it random people, he loses that momentum mm-hmm. that he's so proud of that he has now found his place at the top, right? He is now the top of the opposition to the elite. Mm-hmm. and that symbol, like, I, I really love what they did there, and they kind of show it through those screens and all that. That
3: montage there. Yeah, that montage yeah.
0: about how the whole scene evolved. You yes. see it over a couple of times, and you see him get tackled, and he comes into the back of the cop car. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting, like, real hints of Dark Knight in here, where he's riding, you know, when Heath Ledger's riding oh, around yeah. his head out? Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of that, and he's mm-hmm. watching the, c- the the city burn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And loving it. It's the true cops. Gotham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Him rolling through the streets there, seeing all this evolve, the smile on his face. You know, this is, I did this. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. Right? I accomplished this. And this is when everything goes, this is in true, like, Shakespearean fashion, the difference between a tragedy and a comedy is that in his life, he thought this was all going to end in burning flames and for him it ends on a happy note like his ending the movie's ending is a tragedy but his ending in his own brain is a is is a true comedy (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it's a happy ending in those more definitive terms of comedy and tragedy when you're going back to shakespeare not so much of the how we frame comedy now that it's like haha funny and all that shit right Mm -hmm. this this is that i love how they play with that duality in there and then we get this whole like kind of christ-like thing here this this was where yeah I, i i don't know if this is real again like when the car gets hit and they yank him out and they put him on the hood. Right. And the way he's, he's laid out. He's right? laid out. And then he stands up and starts
3: dancing yeah. in the
0: streets to just chaos. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like that's something
3: it's, else. Well, it's cool because they pay a little bit of homage to, to Nolan there. We, we got a yeah. shot of him in the cop car like you mentioned. Yeah, and then we, we also get a shot of him on, on the car as well. And it's very Batman. Dark thing. Is it Rises the poster? Why? right cuz you kind of get a little oh, bit of that yeah, feel but thing. it's joker instead of of batman so um i thought it was real to be honest at this point when he gets knocked out by the car i thought i thought i thought everything at that point Going forward, was real. But yeah. again, that's what's the beauty of this movie yeah. is that yeah. everything is open. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic scenes. And yeah, in Joker's mind, like, he won. Like, this is it for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Joker is born and he won. And Gotham is forever what it's going to be going forward. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: you mentioned Dark Knight homage. When he takes his hands into his mouth and he's bleeding and then he like, oh, paints a smile yes. across his face, that's Come Heath on. Ledger, right? Like, oh,
1: and he looked amazing in that scene. Like, right? you, you couldn't tell it was Joaquin Phoenix at all. No, no. no. Like, just. Like, like, oh. he's
2: gone yeah. I was totally surprised so like um, I had saw on the internet some idiot posted like a spoiler image and it was Heath or it was uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, Joker sp- sprayed out on the cop cart looking like all bruised up and like bloodied and stuff so I had thought like throughout the whole movie he was gonna die like and so I thought like okay they they got him out but he dies in this film like cause he looked like he was dead so we went to see him like rise up and like come alive again just took me like by complete surprise
1: yeah that that whole end sequence from the time like i thought the movie ended when they put the tv screens up yeah. and then it's like oh it's ambiguous does he get away does he get arrested mm-hmm. does he end up getting killed and yeah that whole end sequence and the trip through and like you say that that was his he, he would have been happy to die or get locked mm-hmm. away forever because that was his victory he yeah. he did that yeah
2: yeah. I would have been happy if they ended it there, because at that point, it doesn't
0: even matter if he gets away or not. He's already won.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly.
0: Right? Well, and this is where one of the, I think, this is one thing that we talked about after the film, the three of us after we were watching. it would be interesting to get your perspective here, Sanjay, is they went down the route of showing the death of the Wayne family as yeah. a result of all of this. Yeah. And in my mind, that was way too on the nose. They could have maybe done without, you know. I saw the Zorro thing and I kind of like hit Carlos here. Yeah. Don't watch Carlos. But then you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And to me, it would have been enough to have framed up, like they walk into the alley and just framed up on the guy with the Joker ma- or the clown mask on, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. But they went straight down and maybe was, again, to me, it took me a bit out of the film in that moment because this is like, okay, now here's the origin of Batman. I'm not supposed to be thinking about continuity. I'm not supposed to be thinking about all this. I appreciate it for what they did, mm-hmm. but I think they spent this whole film crafting subtleties of everything, and this is just, like, this is right on the nose. Like, this yeah. is the pearls. This is the shot shot. Wayne standing there over top of his parents' bodies. You know, the one thing I did like is that the guy repeated what Joker said to, to Murray because like, you get what you deserve and mm-hmm. pop, pop. Yeah. But to me, I don't know. How did you feel about that one, Carlos? Uh, th-
1: kind of the two thoughts that I have on it. Number one is I think, like to go back to my other point about um, people coming in with their previous knowledge of what Batman and what this world is all about. It gives the audience a little bit of that hope and yes. takes a bit of the nihilism out because it's like, all right, True. this is all a downer. So here's your your origin of your hero kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then for me just personally as a fan like I, I sort of hate when batman's the cause of all the villains and it's like mm-hmm. you start making an argument for well if you never did your thing then gotham city would have way less problems yeah. type of thing <laughs> okay. so I, I did like the reverse origin in that yeah. mm-hmm. this colorful quote-unquote super villain created batman and not in the same way that they did in Batman 89 I I like this infinitely more yeah, than agreed. than that so yeah. um yeah overall like when just look around you like I I love yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah any hook to that yeah. guy so
2: yeah me personally I love the scene um just like whenever we see the scene in movie and films it's always like a flashback and it's always brief And you don't really like, sometimes you watch it and you're like, you're Thomas Wayne, you're a billionaire. Why are you going to see a movie and going down Crime Alley? Like they even call it out in like Teen Titans Go. It's like, it's called Crime Alley, dummy. Like, why are you going down there, right? (laughs) (laughs) So to see them like have no choice, like the city's burning around them. They have to evacuate. Um, They're going to see a movie. Like it just happenstance that that was that night, you know, and they had no choice. And like, I felt like claustrophobic. Because, like, the city's burning, you know, they're trying to escape. They don't know where Alfred is or, like, whoever's going to pick him up. So they're, like, running for their lives, trying to get away. And then, like, to see it happen and, like, it was just out of, like, Batman Year One with, like, the pearls and, like, the clown mask wasn't part of it. But, like, it works in this setting. You know, it's, like, the soul of the origin is still there. And I think, like, I I like that they put it in because at the end you mentioned, like, when he's talking to the psychiatrist and she's, like, what are you laughing about? And he's, like, you wouldn't get the joke. And he, like, pictures Bruce Wayne, you know, he's laughing. He's like, oh, like, potentially, like, my brother. Now he's, like, an orphan, too, like me. And uh, he's just laughing about it. And, like, you know, he, he's thinking about, like, Bruce Wayne. And, like, it kind of ties up Thomas Wayne's uh, story as well that he he gets killed. Like, it's not like, okay, like, does he become mayor? And then, and, and I think maybe potentially they put it in because they're like, okay, this is a one-and-done but like they saw the budget and they're like, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, like you, you never know, like never say never. Right. Like stranger things have happened. So like never say never, like this could be like, maybe not like a full on like Batman versus Joker, but it could be like, okay, Batman, there's Joker, but then now there's like Scarecrow or something, you know, like they could like do like a, not necessarily in a movie, you know, this could be continued in a comic book series or something. Yeah, it could
1: be.
3: Yeah, you know, at first the first time I kinda of, I kinda of feel two ways about it. The first time I saw it, I was kinda of like, Ah, oh, did we really have to end it this way? You know, kind of a little on the nose, or you know, you could have had um, you know, the gunsman that comes out and kills the parents. You could've even had somebody run by like, Yo, Joe, let's go. And he's like, No, like I got this, you know, uh, Joe chill. Like, yeah. and then you just leave it at zero and that's that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it is kind of cool because every time we've seen this on film, we've spent like two seconds with Martha and uh Thomas. You don't even care. You're just like They've been taken out. But yeah. here there's a buildup that you got to know at least Thomas to a certain degree. And he spent the whole film in this universe leading to the, you know, the assassination, basically, mm-hmm. the kill of the Waynes. So it, it was kind of earned. I, I would have been fine either way. It did feel a little bit of a reshoot. Like they kind of just added it on towards mm-hmm. the end of the film. But uh, all around, like, it didn't take me out of the film. I still liked it. It was it was great. Um and, uh, yeah, man, I mean, shoot, this film was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Come on, this film was awesome. I
0: think I think your point there of it was earned, Yeah, I think that's the right way to put it. For sure. Like, they earn that moment yeah. in the film, to put that into the film, at least. Yeah. So, and this is kind of like, as we're kind of closing out here, we get to this end scene where he's, he's back in Arkham, it seems. And this is where the leap in my head goes, because I don't know what's real anymore. Mm-hmm. We've had this all set up through the whole film. But then he goes from being kind of this this martyr, the leader of the the rebellion, if you want to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it in there. And yeah. and now now he's back in a like. How did he get caught? Why did he? You know what I mean? Like what like what happened here? Because this is very much like kind of the killing joke, right? It leaves you to make an interpretation. And Todd Phillips and we talked about this whole thing, this end thing. It puts a cap on the film because. I just didn't know where it was going to go. To me, this is the right and this is the appropriate way to end this. You get to that point, the creation of the Joker, he has this night... And then it's like, boom, he's in this hospital talking to this person. And then he's running around like Looney Tunes yeah. making red footprints. To me, this is a man lost in his own mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is a representation of this. Like, that is real. That exchange is real. But what happens after isn't. That's what I took away from this. Mm-hmm. And that made me question literally everything in the film. Yes. yeah. I do not know what was real and what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. what was in his head? What is factual? What is delusion? Like, to me... It's such a an odd way to just like portray this whole thing, but I freaking loved how they ended this film. Like it, to me it just it took everything, all the work they did through this, all the earning, all the like the kind of just the the well-written delivery of this character from Arthur Fleck right through to Joker to cap it off this way and just yeah. be like, "Hey, there it is." Yeah, run with it. It, it's, yeah. Yeah, it was something else. Like the end of this, man.
1: Well, and it, yeah, I loved it because it was the only part of the film that was overtly surreal, mm-hmm. and that was um, not really grounded and gritty. Like even just the the cinematography, like everything yeah. was really brightly lit and clean, mm-hmm. and um, everything was really sharp. Whereas the film preceding that, everything was very cluttered, and the you know there's lots of contrast with the lighting and and things of that nature. So yeah i the same thing i loved that it made you question everything that you saw and it made you speculate as to where things would go with the story going forward like mm-hmm. yeah. has he been in a jail cell this entire time and yeah. the entire story has been made up is he in a jail cell now yeah. is he on the loose with his newly formed gang and his group yeah i it's, i loved it like yeah. down to the font on the the end yeah. i thought it was yeah. brilliant yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. What do you think of the Sunjay man? Oh, what man. do you think of the end of this film?
2: Yeah, like, I loved it. Um, I took it, um, literally. I was like, yeah, like she's talking to this woman. She's trying to help, and she actually seems to like care. The other one was just like showing up, get a paycheck. I guess, but she I guess. Looked, they
0: look very similar, which confused yeah. me also. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and then like he leaves, and then he's like chasing around. The one thing is, you know, you look at Arkham when he goes there to steal the records. It's grimy. It's dark. You know, it's got, like, brick, and it's, like, dirty. This one is, like, pure white. And, you know, to me, it kind of is, like, is this, like, his idea of heaven? That, like, he's, like, ascended into heaven where he's, like, I've done this thing. Like, I've created this chaos. And now, like, his life is, like, he likes being the Joker. You know, like, maybe, like, the whole time he was just, like, I don't know if, like, he's kind of has, like, the internal struggle. And now he's just, like, fully embraced Joker. And, like, he's just willing to kill anyone. You know like he killed he killed that lady and then he's just like toying with the guy who's like trying to chase him the security guard that's trying to chase him down so to me you know that's what i took out of it
3: yeah yeah I, i'm right there with you 100 that's what i got to you know she basically asks well you know what's the joke you wouldn't get it yeah i feel he strangles her or kills her somehow brutally and then you see you know the bloody footsteps as he's running away and yeah looney tunes you know mm-hmm. um yeah, it's, it, it, I thought it was a really cool ending. And like you mentioned, yeah, it's very heaven sent. Like, this is where he loves to be. Mm-hmm. He feels like he's at home. Um, it's not a dark place anymore. He's embraced all that. He knows the routine almost. I mean, this could be Joker very well, you know, another 20 years later when he's yeah. already taken down yeah. or fought Batman and he's True. just going through the routine again. Right, yeah. You know, he's on his way out. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. True. Absolutely wild film, guys. Yeah. And even in this conversation, is maybe – think of this from so many different perspectives and i'm still i got still so many questions in my head yeah Yeah. and you know when we left the theater you mentioned this troy that we were talking back and forth saying this is a one and done yeah i have to watch this again (laughs) yeah after talking through this i have to watch it and i have to watch this with my wife too yeah to get her perspective on this and it's uh, it's been a blast, guys, talking about this. You know, we're gonna wrap this up. This actually went quite a bit longer than I thought it was gonna go. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of really great discussion here. So Troy and I are going to deliver our Triple Force Friday stuff. It might not be at the back of this episode, or I might throw it on, or I might throw it on just as a bonus episode, because uh, we can't wait till next week no. to talk no. Force no. Friday. No. So, but uh, I gotta say, big shout out to to my man here, Carlos for inviting us down to the Batcave cave to have this discussion to get your perspective and to really help us embody the bat to embody joker here
1: oh man i i loved it like hopefully we can do it again in the future like i know the initial idea was to like see the movie and come back here right away but like <laughs> thanks sanjay <laughs> but, i'm yeah. paying for
2: it today guys trust me <laughs> yeah it, yeah
1: yeah busy lives and you know every, all of us are family men and stuff like that too but yeah who knows but i like i super love this and hopefully it wasn't too much of a pain to cart all your gear Absolutely, and stuff man. so yeah we'll uh we'll learn from this one and we'll tweak it and who knows it I guess like the benefit is I'm the closest to to a movie theater. Yes. and you guys like the new spots. Well, so. Oh yeah,
2: well, Birds of Prey is what three four months out. So yeah, I mean, yeah. if they're done reshooting the whole movie, maybe we can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I might well, have I'm, to go get I'm, that bat from upstairs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm certain we will see Carlos back here before then. You know, sometimes Sanjay just disappears.
2: You know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sometimes I disappear from myself. I wake up, I'm like, how the hell did I get here? Yeah, and yeah. then all of a
0: sudden your feet are bloody and all this stuff. Specific... <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I always oh. thought
2: of our podcast as a comedy. Yes. Now yeah. I see it's a tragedy. It's a true tragedy. Yeah. It's, it's a... going to be a, a
3: little nicer to you going <laughs> yeah. forward, <I> guess. <laughs>
2: So what do you think of Shazam, Troy? <laughs> it's awesome. 10 yeah. out of 10. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: all right, guys. it's It's been a blast talking about this, I'm sure. There'll be people with some thoughts, with some insights, and we'd love to hear that. You can always email anything like that over to therdarm at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter where all four of us is just roaming around like a pack of rabbit nerds <laughs> looking for something to talk about, looking about collecting comments, whatever. Joker, make sure to hit us up, hashtag Twitter gang, hashtag we the nerd, hashtag stay nerd. You can always find us there over on Twitter. Our handles are also at the end of the episode. You can find us over on Instagram as well at the nerdram. Trey and I were posting all kinds of hunt stuff there. My stuff from Force Friday is up there. Trey's been posting a lot of action figure stuff, which has been getting a lot of love from Instagram. (laughs) Make sure to throw up your stuff there and tag us in that so we can see what you guys got Triple Force Friday, what you guys are finding out on the hunt. You can, find, you can also find everything that we do over on the nerdroom.net as well as starscommonwealth.com where you can find everyone else in the Commonwealth. There's a lot of Triple Force Friday coverage going on there, guys. I know Sandcrawlers are throwing something out Tumbling Sabre. They're throwing lots of coverage out there, so make sure to go check everything over there. And last but not least, we'd like to give a big shout-out to our man Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over on Emotionally14.com. You can find us as well as all the Emotionally14 endorsed podcasts over there. And I guess with all that being said... For The Nerd Room, I'm Tim.
3: I'm Troy. I'm Batman.
0: And I'm crashing here
2: tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. And I will say this. Be kind to one another. And thank you very much for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at the the TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the Nur and don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to Star to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Sabers Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at swcomwealth to take your first steps into a larger world.